This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com and go ahead and see all the awesome gear and then put your order in for so many great pieces that they've got over there. The Ninja Tackle 7-foot 4-piece, which means an interchangeable tip, go-to rod. I absolutely love this thing. I've taken it out different times in the surf. I've taken it inshore. Uh, I haven't done piers yet, but it's on the list. This rod has been an absolute game changer for me. Uh, yesterday, I was out fishing, throwing 3 8 ounce lures, uh, just slinging them way out there. Great. Couldn't believe it. In the surf, I'm throwing it up to approximately 1 ounce as the max I've thrown out there for any kind of Spanish, Bonita, any kind of the uh, predatories. Dude, I'm launching that thing 70, 80 yards. No problem. Close to 100 with a tailwind. Love the tailwind days. But this rod has been so versatile, I've been able to use it in the surf and inshore. I could probably use it offshore. It's on the list to try. Maybe you need a new surf rod. 12-footer, 11-footer, maybe a 9-footer, 8-6. He's got them all. The Ninja Tackle series or the Ninja Daggers are awesome. So go take a look at those. If you need to get your hands on bait, equipment, stuff like that, ancillary gear or terminal tackle, yeah, Matt's got them in there too. If you're a firearms enthusiast, hey, Ninja Tactical. Got you set up there too with weapons, optics, and some other ancillary gear that you'll just have to go see because there's too much for me to list in this ad. But ninjatackleva.com, go on over there, get your order in today. You will not be sorry. Yes, new week, new episode. This one's a little different, though. I don't, I don't. This is a first for me, actually. You're gonna, we're gonna be doing some weird stuff with editing. I know you're not gonna notice uh, too, too much, but uh, yeah, it's still a fun one. So not too long ago, I went and hung out with Mister oh, guy named known as Cameraman Ron. Yep, went over to his office in Pensacola. We sat down face to face, and really just. Did a fun podcast, talked about fishing, talked about his podcast, what we do, and just really just chewed the fat for a while. It, it, it was really fun, and it was fun to do it that way versus, uh, you know, through how I normally run it. But lots of good knowledge, lots of fun pieces, and he's a funny guy. So hopefully this week's episode you're going to be uh, able to enjoy a little bit of difference in audio and uh, and stuff like that. You're going to hear some click-ins from me here after the editing and not to mention throwing in the bait checks and stuff. But uh, hopefully this episode gives you a little bit of knowledge and it also gives you a little bit of view into what Ron and I do on the sidelines here. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into the show. Uh, again, this was previously recorded and uh, on a different location, not here at this one. So you might notice a little difference, but enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think. <laughs> so many different functions. I wish you, you all could see him right now. He's like sitting here turning his imaginary knobs. You can play we're with just, the knobs if it just, makes you no, feel better. No, that's going to make it worse. Actually, we'll just kick it from here, man. I'm, in reality, I'm just glad to be here. I mean, we just finally met face to face at the last meet and greet. Yeah. Um, I know you're always busy. I'm always busy. We're always yeah. like, all right, we're going to make this work. And then you were kind enough to invite me here to do face to face. Yeah. Right down the road. So it made it easy. Yeah. And, and I, I told Brian when we sat down, I'm like, man, I just, I like doing it face to face. The phone calls are great, but I think you, you 
can get a better read on the room when you're sitting in front of somebody yeah. and you can kind of see how the conversation's going. I know that's that's what I prefer anyways yeah. if I'm sitting down with them. So, you know, if I say something crazy and you don't like it, I want to be able to see the reaction <laughs> on your face and you're like, oh, don't, don't do that, don't do that. And you can't get that on the phone unless you just have to tell me to stop. That's true. That's true. I mean, the hardest thing, like whenever I'm doing podcasts at, at the house and, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you know, you can do video and video has been okay. Yeah. But the problem that you really run into for me is like you're on – uh, what is it? Streamyard. So you're looking at the audio line, and you don't get the, any of the things. So you can't see it, right? So you don't know where are my peaks, where are my valleys. So yeah. I'm talking one level, then the other level's coming in, and the spikes are way off. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? It's like okay, let me compress, and then let me yeah. do this. And, and it, that is why it's nice when you're person to person, because like you, yeah. we were looking at the audio lines here when we first got started on the board, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, I, if you want to adjust anything for your setup, you can. But I, I keep it set up kind of a certain way, and it's usually everybody's balanced. And if I get yeah. somebody that's sitting down with me, I'll be like, okay, I need to turn their microphone up just a little bit or a little less, and it's much easier to do that here than in post. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Take take the small wins when you can. That's right. That's right. So you've been here and we're going to basically run off from the beginning here, but you've been fishing a long time. So let's start at the beginning. What what got you into fishing? Well, see, that's that's a very common misconception there, uh, Mr. Demo, because I haven't been fishing a long time. Um, I've been fishing for four years. Um, that's, see, that to me is long, though. Well, but I think a lot of my audience thinks that when I moved here four years ago, that I was this bass fisherman from Kentucky um, and had to learn. I mean, that, that was just like the common misconception when I first started. the. Because why else would you start a YouTube channel as a fishing content creator when you know absolutely nothing about fishing? So everybody just had this assumption that I was, you know, I'd always been a bass fisherman or freshwater, and I really hadn't. Um, prior to moving to Florida, I had only fished probably less than 10 times my entire life. Okay. Um, and then for like, for whatever reason, as you and I were talking about the other day, I, like, I was like, I'm going to buy a kayak and I'm going to start a fishing YouTube <laughs> channel because that makes the most sense for me to do right now. So yeah, I mean, if you consider four years a long time, then yeah, I was, I've come a long way in four years, I think. Yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> you know, on the same one here, and, and this is going to be funny because a lot of people don't, most people, half the people probably know, probably know this. So I've done fishing most of my most of my life is like onesie twosies yeah. and i suck as a freshwater fisherman i am the worst freshwater fisherman i know like it is bad <laughs> real bad yeah when i moved here that's when i really started beach fishing and getting in yeah. and people are like you've been doing this long like i've been doing it like two years yeah but it's the learning curve that i found was like man all right youtube is great yep loved everything i found starting with you know tony with fish gum and Matt with Bama Beach Bomb and yep. then finding into the other groups. And I was like, okay, cool. And I started meeting people and I'm like, all right, great. And then it was like, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. Yeah. But it was like something's still missing from this curve. So yeah, I just kept on grinding away and it just turned into that. But so yeah, you, the funny thing, yeah, you're right. I, I just I, good, I, I do think it's I think it's so many people don't understand that you can only learn so much from watching videos. Mm. You can definitely pick up the basics, um, but until you get out there and and do it and make the mistakes, I think that's the big thing. Is you're when you make a mistake and you lose a big fish, there's there's no better teacher. <laughs> it, it will it will humble you very quickly. Sorry, I keep looking over the camera. I'm it sorry. I, I need to be looking at you, not no, the camera. No, no, but, uh, no. I'll, I'll be looking right there yes, across the way. So yes, don't even fine. sweat it. Um, <laughs> nobody knows where we're looking, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. But there's, you know, nothing will humble you faster than losing a big fish and realizing it was your fault. Oh, the, oh, the yeah. your faults. Yeah. Mm. It, you know, it's one thing if you just, nat if a fish just naturally breaks you off. But if you're, you know, if we're at a three mile bridge and I'm hooked into a bridge monster and I pull it back and my knot come untied, because you know, because your, your line's all tangled up, that's your fault. Okay. There, there's nobody to blame. And those are the most, that you will sit there and learn how to tie a better knot at that point. Yeah. It, it just, it teaches you that. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, 
you know, nothing humbles you faster than when there's no one else around that you can't blame it on everybody. It's the, the it's black and white right in front of you. You lost that fish because you made a mistake and you didn't do something right. <laughs> like I'm getting mad just thinking. About yeah, it. I know, right? You get mad at yourself. <laughs> it's like that. Got it. Can't even. I can't even think about the times that's happened to me. Uh, for me, the, like when you bring that one up, and I know we're kind of straying off questions here. We're kind of no, we're kind of free running this one. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting episode. Yeah, but like when you're at the beach, because I did this in the beginning. You know, you do the old fisherman one, the old all right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twist, go back through the bottom, yank it, pull it, yeah, cinch down. You're like, yeah, I got it. And then you cock back, and then you let it sail, and then you just, all you see is that. Uh, that sinker and your and your line all just going because the knot failed because you tied a horrible knot. Yeah, you know what my biggest one is, I, and I don't care to admit this. I forget to open the bail. Oh, dude. When, when I'm surf fishing, <laughs> like there's, it's it's one thing to cast off a boat or off land, just like right. normal bass fishing or whatever. It's a very simple process. With surf fishing, there's the cast is eighty percent of what you're doing, um, and you do all this stuff. You make sure your bait's on right. If you, you know if you got to use the miracle thread, like I do, some people don't need that. I have to use it. Um, you get all this stuff going on. You're like, okay, I'm finally ready. And then you cast out and you realize your sinker flies off your line snaps and you forgot to open your bail. And you just look at it and you're like, dang, that's not, that was my fault. Like 100% that was my fault. You get, and you're like looking around trying to blame your wife and she's not even there. So you can't, you know, there's nobody to blame but you. Those normally uh, come up with a chip text. Hey, by the way, can yeah. you put a couple on the side for me? Yeah, I need some more. I need some more Sputnik <laughs> sinkers. Why? I don't really want to talk about it. I just need. To, I broke off on a giant fish. Let's go with that. Yeah, just know it. Just know it's not here anymore. And yeah, I it. yeah, I don't have. I don't have it with me anymore. Okay, that's one hundred percent. So nowadays, I mean, you've been out here doing a lot of fishing. You do a lot of cool stuff on your channel. Lots of good content. Lots of good knowledge pieces there. What type of fishing do you like to do now? Um, mainly I, I would say 100% it, from the Mako. Um, I love, I've really, the last nine, 10 months, I've really been hitting the Bay Rex. Um, I feel like I've, it's one of the things that I, I feel like I've figured out, like, and there's a lot of stuff I've not figured out, you know, by no means am I great at it, but it's one of the things that I've, I've figured out, you know, where the fish are hiding around the wrecks. And when I first got down here, I was like, you know, the fish are just down there. You just drop it wherever and they'll eat it. And that's just not the case. I mean, it's based on the tide, whether it's incoming, outcoming, which side of the wreck they're on, ambush points. Um, but the last six to nine months, I really feel like I've put together at least a workable knowledge of going out here and fishing these bay wrecks. And then uh, I, we've got some stuff in the works that's going to allow us to get offshore a little bit more. Um, oh, so nice. I'm excited to go out there and do that. Uh, can't release that just yet. Sarah will kill me, but... We do have some stuff working right now that uh, that's going to allow us to get out there and do some more of that stuff, too. So I'm really excited about that coming up. Perfect. So the boat has been your super happiness lately and then the learning curve for that one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then, again, it, I think that stems from I'm not very good at beach fishing. Um, you know, I've, I've not done it a ton. I've had some great teachers along the way. You know, I've been out with Matt from, you know, Bama Beach Mom. Obviously, everybody knows that. And i um, done a little bit with Brad and Brad's an excellent surf fisherman, but it, it just, I'm not very good at it. I'm not good at, I can go out and say that I'm reading the water, but I still don't think I have a really, really great understanding of, I mean, I, a little bit, I know what I'm looking at, but I still don't think I've got a full grasp on it. Like I do other areas of fishing and it's just a, a lack of doing it. I need to get out there and, and be on the, on the beach more and just learn how to read the water a little bit better. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, you're talking about a knowledge piece in itself because reading the beach is a, I mean, it, 
it's an art to some. Yeah. And I, I'm granted, I've just had that one conversation this weekend with Sid Little, the guy that won yeah, the, yeah. the tournament, you know, nailing a four pound pompano, 19 inch, beautiful slab. Yeah. And then on top of that, he freaking comes in with a haymaker of a whiting. Wine. Yeah. I saw that. And I'm like, Sid, you've already got the freaking state record, dude. Like, well, how are you finding these monsters? And, and Sid's like, dude, I've been doing this my whole life, man. Yeah. You know, he does commercial offshore. He, he's been really doing this. And <clears throat> I think it was Justin, or it might have been, or somebody else, I can't remember, said that they were talking to him about it and, you know, getting the knowledge piece. Not really like, hey, I don't want your spot. I don't yeah, care. I just want to know what you, how you found that right. spot originally, not where right. it's at. Yeah. And Sid was like, uh, you know, I just read the beach, found my spot. And it's like, well, what do you mean by read the damn beach, yeah. man? Because yeah. everybody's different with it. Yeah. Like, I walk out, I'm looking for rips. You know, that's my, yep. that's, that's the only thing I'm really good at reading. I'll find a rip right. and I'm happy. But yeah, reading reading is a hard knowledge piece. So oh. what, for you though, what do you look for when you're going out there? Like, all right, I'm gonna go fish the beach. What am I gonna do? I mean, the biggest thing for me, I kind of look for calm water and, and rough. I think that's okay. kind of like looking for those rips when it's when that water's coming in. Um, I'll typically watch for. And again, this is uh, this is not me being like, <laughs> hey, this is what you should do. Um, with my little, very very little knowledge that I have when I walk out there. Um, you know, if there's kind of rollers and I see a spot where they're not necessarily breaking in a place that they're breaking everywhere else, that usually kind of tells you that there's a little bit deeper water right there. Right. Um, and, you know, if you can find a channel through the bar that leads into a deep hole, that's a really good spot. I do know that. I mean, and uh, it's tough. It's I think it's easier to find once the sun comes up. I think you're in a little bit better position because you can just see deeper water. Um, but most of us are out there pre-sunrise. So the only way to do it is is to read the water unless you you know you're willing to pick all your stuff up once the sun comes up and unless you just get lucky and put one in a hole so i mean i'm not saying that i'll put a stake in the ground the night before or two nights before for a landmarker but I've that's been, not that's not a terrible idea i've been what known, do those stakes look like um uh, no i'm, not, no, I'm, just, not, I'm just gonna go out and just find brian's stakes <laughs> You're that guy that's digging the hole that all the turtle people are getting mad about, oh, aren't you? <laughs> so. those holes, dude. I, I have nearly, Justin and I have nearly fallen into two or three of those things, and we're always kicking them to close. It's like, oh my, just filling yeah. your damn hole. Yeah, it's like, it's it's crazy, because we all joke about the the turtle the turtle people, but and they're, they're very real on the coast, but it really is extremely dangerous, especially for surf fishermen. Oh, yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of times when we're out there, if you're not wearing a headlamp or, and I mean, I know I'm guilty of it, I'll just walk out on the beach. There shouldn't really be anything in the beach and pee in your path um you're pulling your surf cart and you're like listening to the water you're watching the water trying to watch where you're going to fish at and the next thing you know you're you're in a two-foot hole and you're not even sure exactly what happened to you just now and you're just like oh my gosh i'm hurt so oh no yep. yeah just thinking about that made me made me buckle a little yeah it, it, it's, it's happened to the best of us at some point luckily i picked up a um, a light sponsorship on the channel or partnership so i have an, an endless supply of headlamps from powersmith so okay. um, that's always a good thing now and literally that happened because one of my subscribers it works for them and um i shot a video one morning it was like super dark and i was walking out on the beach and he reached out and he's like man i'd love to send you some lights and that just ended up leading <laughs> and they're they've been great partners of my channel for a while so um it was cool because now i have all these headlamps at the house so I, that's just, if i ever fall in another hole there's no excuse none 100 percent another thing that's my fault <laughs> No, I didn't. That's pretty cool. They sent you a headlamp, man. Yeah, they, they've actually, we've been up and done some stuff with them at their place up in South Carolina. Um, they've sent us tons of headlamps. They're the one that um, gave me the the big tea light that I use for all of my night fishing stuff. Um, it, it really was a game changer because up until that point, from a content creation standpoint, you can't do night fishing. I mean, oh, you can no. do it, but if you do, it makes no sense because nobody's going to watch a dark video just where right. you're talking. Um, so by introducing that to the channel, 
it works perfectly for beach dock lights. Um, I can throw it on the Mako, and we're we can make content at night, and it looks just as good as daytime content. So that was that was a huge pickup for the channel. Yeah, that's a monster win. It is. I mean, like I'm still using this Amazon one that I have just because it's got this focal point. Because you know, if you're on the beach at night, that cause normally nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm an evening fisherman. Sure. Give me that sunset bite. I yep. am happier about that than I am the sunrise yep. bite. Um, no, I may not like to wake up early anymore after yeah. many years of doing it, so that could be part of it. But, you know, if you don't have the right headlight, the job's even harder. It is. He's like, all right, where's the line? Am I crossed? Or am I down? Or are you short? Are you long? Where are you now? Yep. Oh, where's the shore monster? Yeah. Because we all know the shore monster eats pompano. Yes. <laughs> I've lost two. I've, you know, I've oh. not caught a pompano yet this year. Really? I have not. Now, I've only been beach fishing probably four or five times, but okay. I have not caught a pompano yet this year. I've hooked two. Um, both of them lost them on no the kidding. bar. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, it is only April. I mean, so yeah, you, but you, you haven't been out. Um, of, you, it doesn't count, really. But do you? I mean, do you feel like from? And I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Brian questions today too. So while we're, <laughs> it's we're a double tap. Yeah, we're we're doing this on both sides. Do you feel like we're later this year? Because I feel in my mind, and just based on like my other three years here, I just feel like we're late. Like I, I, I feel like it has already kicked off and like is rolling by now. Yeah, I mean, right now it's 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 the starting point. I'd say. Right. I mean, I would expect when I think of April, I think first two weeks of April. It's gonna begin. You're gonna get nuggets. Yeah. Um. But come mid mid April, that's when we're gonna start turning it on. And end of April, it's oh man, full yeah. throttle. Let's get after it. Yeah. So I, I could see on late a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it was later than I wanted, but we also had the other factors. Right. I mean, we've had what five weird cold snaps. Yeah. Like ext- extremely weird for our area. Yeah. Um, because we went and it looked good. Because I remember back at the end of February, beginning of March. Um, if you're not familiar with our area, you know, here in the Florida Panhandle, it always seems like the end of Florida, beginning of March, you see a lot of big pompano being caught. Right. But they're just one-off pompano. They're not, it's not people like loading their cooler up. It's, you'll see a post on Facebook and be like, call it a three and a half pound pomp today. And they're all big. And that's normal. So I was like, oh, you know, the pompano run's going to hit in here right. early April like it does and we're going to be great. And then it just never materialized. But it was because we went through... In March and or the end of February, beginning of March, we went through, like you said, five different times where our temperatures dropped down near freezing right. at night, which for us is not good for the fishing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and then I, I made a comment in my YouTube video this week. Last week and this week had truly been like the first signs I've seen of the warm water fish showing back up. You know, the Spanish mackerel are back in the bay. Um, you know, I'm starting to see the stingray school up near, which means they're in their mating pattern and, and having babies so that, you know, the sharks are showing back up. So it's like, and as much as you don't want to like have to deal with sharks, that's a surefire sign that they're moving back in because the bigger fish have come in. Um, so it, this last two weeks has been good. Like in the boat, it's been really good. It is the first bay check of the episode, so bring that line in, check on that thing, make sure it's good to go. Maybe you need to change up the bait a little bit if you haven't gotten any, or maybe if you have, hey, maybe it's a different zone. Who knows? It's the fun part of this whole thing of fishing. Check that bait, get it back out there. This bait check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head over to dscustomtackle.com and get your world exploded <laughs> with lots of cool things. You need um, some jigs? Yeah, he's got them. Maybe you need some beads or some floats? Why, yes, he does they got them in there and the great thing about ds custom it's not just a florida thing they're actually based out of the delaware area all the stuff they sell will work 
pretty much anywhere in your different regions. So lots of good things. If you're also set up to start making or selling rigs and you're looking for a wholesaler or someone to do supplying, reach out to DS Custom Tackle, talk to them. They may be able to hook you up and get you all set up for success. The gotta love Barry's rig. The BS fishing. Oh man, surf. I love Barry. You guys know that you've seen me fishing with him before. Uh, his rig is pretty nice and it's done really well. So another really good one to get your hands on. So go over to dscustomtackle.com, get your order in today. 2023 has been a funny one for fishing because in January we had the colds and all those pieces, but we started catching bonefish. Yeah. We don't get bonefish up here yeah, very often. I'm pretty confident though that was 100% because of that hurricane. That oh, they, yeah. I think they just, it's, you never really think about that, about a fish's ability to just get away. Right. And when, if they're, if a situation gets uncomfortable, that's why we have such a hard time winter fishing here. Um, you know, in, if you're freshwater fishing, you just have to work harder to catch the bass. They're there. You just got to find them, and you got to work harder to catch them. That's not the case here. If you're trying to catch pompano or Spanish or something like that, it's not going to happen in you know November, right. December, January, and February. It's just they're not here. They leave, and they go to warmer water. And I think those bonefish and all that stuff started pushing up. Um, I think somebody even yeah, – with the Internet these days, it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. um, but somebody posted a picture of, like, a 19, 20-inch snook that they caught in Bayou Chico. Right. Um, again – is it real? I don't know. Because I've got a, a perfectly good picture of me holding a 20-inch snook that I can put anywhere. I can be anywhere in the world. I could have caught that in a drain pipe in Manhattan, according to my picture, if I wanted to. Um, so, you know, that you just it's hard to tell anymore what, what's real and what's not. Um, but they did say that they caught that there. And that, that was that same time that we were catching bonefish. And I'm wondering if, you know, those snook didn't get pushed up here. It was the lesser of two evils. It was either deal with a little bit colder water, water or deal with all that stuff that was getting, you know, just pumped into the water out of the, the hurricane down there. There. Yeah, and with the, the mixing up of the waters, the intercoastal waterway, so many great fish and so many great yeah. migratory species. And this year, the tuna were a little late at the pier. I know yep. people are like, uh, they're going to be here any day, and it took a couple weeks. And then on the flip side, all of a sudden, you know, we got Okaloosa talking about, hey, we, we've got cobia. Oh, hey, the kings are here. We're, yep. we're close. We're on time for the kings. And there was other ones where they're like, we're a little early for this, but hey, it's pretty cool we caught it. Yeah. So I think we've seen some interesting pieces of, I don't know, want to call it weather or whatever it may be, current changes. Um, had a great conversation with Nick Meyer about that with currents in the Gulf of Mexico. And I was like, dude, you're talking like master class level. I, yeah. I need you to break this back down Barney style. Yeah, like uh, something I can understand. <laughs> yeah, please. But the fishing has been, uh, you know, hit and miss and good. And then like, oh, it's kind of a, you know, a barren graveyard of nothing. Yeah. And then the zombie catfish always show up and you're yeah. like, oh, there's fish, I yeah, guess. At least I did get a cat, which is funny because um, I went down, I guess, probably, probably about a month ago now, I went down to fish with Darcizzle and Brian down in Miami um, because I'm, I'm on a quest to catch 50 different species this year. Like, that's one of the things I really wanted to do on the channel. Last year was an eight-pound bass. Okay. Um, I realized really quickly that in order to catch an eight-pound bass, you have to spend a lot of time focusing on bass fishing, which is great if that's all you do. But I just – I don't want to spend that much time just right. trying to catch a bass. So I wanted something a little more realistic this year. And I was like, hey, I travel a lot. I want to try to catch 50 different species on the channel. So I went down and did a little trip with them. Literally the first fish I caught on the boat with them was a hard hit catfish. Of course. And I'm like, go figure. <laughs> but I hadn't caught one yet this year. So I'm like, there you go. And it's still the only one I've caught. I've only caught the one hard head catfish all year. Fingers crossed. We, we hold that up. So yeah, no, no more of those after this. No, no, I'm, I'm done. So I did catch. Um, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post. I actually had a very, very rare catch in Pensacola Bay two, two or three days ago. Um, yeah, I caught a cubby U. 
That's right. And um, I saw you do the, hey, what is this? Yeah. Because, I mean, didn't, I was scrolling like, I don't even know what that nobody, is. Nobody. Chris Veche was the one. Oh, was it Chris? It was, it's funny. So I don't know if they're familiar with Chris or if you're familiar with Chris, but very, oh. very knowledgeable fisherman. I mean, probably holds more knowledge about fish. Um, than anybody else in our area. So the second I saw Christopher Vecce pop up, I was like, well, we're about to find out what it is. Because I'm like, <laughs> if, if he didn't know, he's not one of those guys that would just jump on there and be like, oh, this might be, you know, yeah. if if Chris takes the time to get on there and make a comment, he's probably going to be right. So when he pulled, when he hopped on there and he's like, hey, this is a cubby you Like, no question. I looked it up. Sure enough, that's what it was. No, okay. And I'm just like... It's 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 not a rare fish, right? At all, it's not, a, not common to our area. It's not common to our, and I caught two of them. Okay. I caught, and then we got to looking up, and it's it was not even close. I'm not trying to make it sound like that, but it was. Pro, I'm guessing probably a pound and a half, pound and three quarters on the first one. The state record is only two point three pounds. Now it was nowhere near the two point three pounds. It was definitely not that big. The video will come out later on next week, but. Um, it was like it was a good sized one. It was not close to the state record because it was you know at least three quarters of a pound shy of it. But to catch one that big because the other one I caught was tiny, the mm. second one. But the first one I'm like it looked like a striper had a baby with a redfish, like what <laughs> it 100 did. That's what the fish looked like. So it was it was wild. Well, the comments were funny too because they were talking about it. it looks like this with a with a mixture in this, and it's like what is this? Yeah, it, and nobody nobody really knew other that, and, and literally no one even came close um and i didn't know either i mean I, this is not me like bashing right. the people commenting that's why i put it out there i put a video and a still photo of it i'm like guys i need help on id with this one because normally i've got a, a you know a big enough circle that i can send that text out and be like hey know what this is and i'll get a response back but a lot of my my creator friends didn't know they're like have no clue so i put it out there and a lot of people were saying that it was in the drum family, which it is, um, and they were basing that off that bottom feeder mouth. Right. Um, but it, you know, it was uh, it was cool to catch that. I mean, that was definitely you know those are the fun ones when you grab something like that. And you just have no clue. And I, everybody's like, you should have ate it. And I'm like, you can't just keep fish if you don't know what they are. Like it could be like the most protected species in our waters, and I ate it. Like you don't want to do that. So it's the other sturgeon. Yeah, the other sturgeon. <laughs> exactly right. Oh my god. Yeah, there's only two here, and I caught the other. Other one. Yep, yep. So well done, well done indeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, with the fishing pieces for you, you're going to catch 50 species on your travels. Are you doing catch a Florida memory too to be able to document and track that? Um, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, well, I feel like a bad person for asking that. No, no. So you're... catch a Florida memory program. Um, and for those of you guys listening, you've heard the episode it dropped not too long ago. The uh, basically it's Florida. Wow, I'm saying this the worst way. FWC has a program where basically you log all your catches. Okay. And you can compete for prizes. So if you get like an inshore slam and then the gotcha. ground slam and another one, they have three slams right now, you could win one of the kayaks. Okay, so I got you. They're heavily involved with these. So basically you submit your fish for catches and if you get, you know, recognized on this, you can win stuff. Oh, okay, cool. And it's kind of cool for that. And then they've got different life lists, you know, like they've got the seventy five, I think it's the seventy five life list. Basically there's only about six people on there. Yeah, and they've caught seventy five fish from this list. Yeah, but yeah, it's so easy. You just submit the picture, tap a couple things, they approve it, and it's like nice. All right, cool. So it's you have a running record for Florida. Okay, what so what I'm doing something similar to that, but I'm doing it on my own website. Okay, um, so it is something that my audience is involved with. I mean, definitely would be on a much broader scale to put it on the FWC stuff, but I do. Um, so each week on Friday, I update my species list if there was anything new caught that, and you know, all of our audience can go on there and and just look at what we've caught that you know so far. Um, some of them are really funny ones. Like I, I don't want to say 
too much because I don't know when this is going to come out. But it'll only, um, be, it'll only be a couple weeks. Okay, so at that point, this video all dropped. I caught a soapfish, um, okay. which <laughs> it was like it was funny because. I took, um, like I said, I've had a lot of people down on the boat. Brian and I were talking before we got started. I've just had a lot of people come down that I've been taking out fishing. I'm not a charter guide. Everybody thinks I've started a charter service, and I, I have not at all. Um, if these are just friends of mine from Kentucky that are coming down, and obviously when they come down, they like to go fishing. Um, well, the first group that came down caught a soapfish. Um, then I had a subscriber reach, and literally we're fishing side by side. So then I had a subscriber that contacted me, and her little boy wanted me to take him on a birthday trip. Um, so we were able to work that out. We took them out on a birthday trip. He caught a soapfish. Then she caught a soapfish. So then my buddies come down from the gotcha, and I've still not caught one for the 2023 species. <laughs> of and not. guys, if you don't know what a, a soapfish is, it's literally the tiniest fish in the ocean, and it's like it feels like a booger. Essentially, that's that's all we're talking about here. This is nothing heroic, but I'm getting aggravated at this point. So then my guys come down on the guys trip. First drop, Jerry pulls up a soapfish. I'm like losing my mind. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. So I finally <laughs> caught a soapfish. So I'm like taking these pictures and holding this like four inch soapfish out like it's a king mackerel or you know i just caught a grand marlin or something like that um i was proud of that fish for the for all the work i put into catching you got to take the little wins it is that's yes. right <laughs> it is not a skunk and it counts as an no well, we're, i don't know i why. touched it again. I, don't, uh, I don't know here let me do this. i got it i touched it i'm gonna tuck that under here because i think it's just putting pressure on it's all it is Bruh. There we go. We're good. winning. There we, we go. We're just we're just continually like messing with Brian's audio. It's all right. I need the challenge. It keeps it keeps me on my toes. That's right. <laughs> but that's the good thing about the headset. Everybody's like, "Why do you guys wear a head?" Like, you guys can't see us, but we're both wearing headsets, and that's why. For everybody that asks if you see one of my videos about why we wear headsets, it's because if you're not watching the audio lines and you're not wearing a headset, and somebody's mic messes up. You'll never know it. And then you'll get to post and you'll have a 15-minute segment that's usually some of the best stuff that <laughs> yeah. you did, and there's no audio for it because the microphone wasn't working. So <laughs> you're just talking about that hurts my heart thinking about it. No, no, I lost it. Yes. No. Okay. We need to re-record that word for word. Can yeah. you do that? Can you can can you reenact that like with the same emotion and everything that we had that day? Because that was golden. Like that's what I need. Oh, so when you're at the beach, uh because, like you said, you don't. That's not your favorite. You, it's. I don't want to say it's not my favorite. I'm just. It's what I'm the okay. most inexperienced at. I oh. do. I really, really enjoy it. I'm just not very experienced. And I'm not very good at it. But all I right. def. I certainly enjoy it. Oh, all right. Let me rephrase. My well, yeah. Bad. I just. I don't want to make it sound like <laughs> that. I don't like the beach because I do love being out there and being beach fishing. I'm just not very good at it. So when you're out, if you're going to go beach fishing, then how do you plan your trip to get out there? Um. <laughs> that's, I start off by praying a lot. <laughs> so, no. Um, you know, typically just what I, the knowledge that I have been given. I get, um, we're lucky enough to partner with Ninja Tackle, um, and they've they've sent me several surf rods. So, I've got really good surf fishing equipment. Um, so, that part of it is, is really nice. So, I've got all the setups, and I basically just go off of what I've, what I've learned. Now, typically when I do get out there, um, I do try to stagger my baits i don't ever go out there and put out all shrimp or all sand fleas or all ghost shrimp if i can get my hands on all three i try to put one on each rod um and that's just my i think that really speaks to my level of an experience it's like that's the best way for me to try to figure out exactly what's biting or what they're eating that day um, because obviously with any fishing that's that's going to be the main thing so and i've had days where i've went out there you know in the last couple of years where i put out sand fleas and that's all i use and i never caught a fish and then somebody came up beside me and they had shrimp and they put it out there and they were just destroying them yeah. um so it does matter so i, I typically 
when I go out there and set up, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about the zones of surf fishing. So I'm always conscious when I start casting out rods that, you know, I don't just go out there and just heave one as far as I can throw it. I, you know, there's one out that far and then I'll try to put one like medium strength and then always one close up because the last couple of pompano I've hooked have been 25 yards off the beach. I mean, they yeah. were, they were very, very close. So that, you know, everybody thinks that you got to get it out. Like, you know, just halfway to Cuba and some, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's where they're at, but you're never going to know if you go out there and you take, if you're running a four rod setup. And again, this is just in my opinion, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like offering life altering knowledge here. Cause we all know that's not true. I'm not trying to be something I'm not, but when I go out there, I try to put one out as far as I can get it. Um, and I try to put one about medium and one close. And then the fourth one, I usually run a four rod setup. Um, and then that fourth one, I'll just whatever, wherever it ends up on that one. But, and then, but you have to be mindful of what you do, you know, when you, when you put those out, because if you do catch a fish or you get hit and you put it back out in the same place and it gets hit again, that should tell you, okay, that's where all four of my need, my rods need to be. That's going to give me the best chance of success today. So when you're out there, do you have a specific target in mind at the beach or are you just, all right, we're going to go after beach fish? Uh, if I'm, if I'm beach fish and I'm targeting Pompano, okay. I, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm just not experienced enough to go out there and, and do the. I mean, if a redfish eats it, I can catch it. But literally in all the time I've been down here, I've only caught two redfish from the surf. Um, and I've never caught a black drum from the surf. I know they're out there. I just don't really usually target them. Um, now, I take that. I have been out and targeted sharks before. Because um, the thing about sharks for us, nobody wants to deal with them. But when your friends from Kentucky come to town, oh, they want that's that what they, they want to catch a shark. Like that's it. It doesn't matter how big it is. They just want the pictures to send back and, and say that they caught a shark. So um, I, I will put a shark set up out of, you know, if we're there. And, and again, I don't know that I'm doing that right, but it's just all stuff I've picked up on from other. I've caught sharks. So, I mean, it's obviously doing something, doing right. something right. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've caught a few. So, I mean, our area has this great thing, in, in my opinion here. I mean, you could throw a double drop out. And you could throw, you know, everything at it. Fish bites, fish gum, fleas, ghost shrimp. You can throw everything. Yep. And you'll be amazed. And it's just something's going to hit. Yep. Whether it's a black drum, red drum, palm. They're not picky. No. And then, but we have such a myriad of fishing and catchable out here. You know, hell, I've what I've caught Spanish on a set rig. Yep. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're yep. Spanish. You're you're, a, you're an attacker. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you guys aren't familiar with, if you're listening in and you're not really familiar with surf fishing, the worst thing you can catch on a double drop set rig is a Spanish. <gasps> because let me tell you right now, I don't care if you catch a 10 inch Spanish macro, you just lost a double drop set rig. You're Got not it. getting that untangled because nope. they just go berserk. And it's like, it's, I don't know what's different about it. I don't know if it's because they're so slim and the, the line can get wrapped around them a lot easier. Um, I don't know what it is, but if you catch a Spanish on a set rig, that set rig's destroyed. It's, yeah. You're, you're going to get your your hook by your uh, sinker back off of it, and that's going to be about all that's going to be usable. In my experience, it, I, it's just it's, they tear them up really bad. Oh, the teeth on those damn things. Yeah. That's just like, hold on. You know, they, yeah, don't lip them. No. Oh, <laughs> don't. Between them and bluefish, don't, yes. don't put your fingers mm-hmm. in there. Or, mouth. you know, in my mind... And, of course, everybody knows I love to catch mangrove snapper. It's probably my favorite fish to target. I don't know why. I know they're like the bluegill of the sea, and maybe that's why I like them so much because they're fairly not difficult to catch. Um, But I'm a firm believer. Like, I've had them clamped down on a pair of pliers and different things. I'm a firm believer. If one of those ever got your finger, you'd be hurt. Because when they clamp down, it's like I don't know how much pressure they have, but it's a lot. I mean, I just I can't imagine that feeling because I always give fish the belly. And people always tell me one of these days, one of these snappers is going to bite my nipple. And I hope that's not true. But if it does, that would be my that would be my very first big viral video. Is that man gets nipple bitten yeah. off by a mangrove snapper. Like, that'd be – who doesn't want to watch that? Oh, 
you know what the worst one is? You're going to be like, oh, yeah. Cringe. But you know what? I've always said, because I did see a video one day where a guy got bit by a mangrove snapper. He was, I guess he didn't know what he was doing. And he literally, he lipped he it. Lipped it. And he screamed when it clamped down on him. But when he really screamed is like when they, you know how they kind of let go and reattach? That's when he really screamed. Like when they got, when the snapper reaffirmed his bite, that's when the dude really like let loose. And he's shaking it. If you've never seen the video, it's hilarious because he's trying to shake it off and it's literally just ripping his skin on his thumb. And the guy that he was with a guide and the guide was trying to tell him not to do that. And he was just like flinging it. And finally the guide like grabbed the fish in the guy's hand and stopped him. Um, But he was like, he ripped a big chunk of meat up because i mean they're you do this they're just gonna rip the, the meat off your bones right <laughs> it's like they're that's their job that's how they eat well, it's like them and trout yes those, those two little vampire <sighs> teeth you see that you know if you're not paying attention if you're not from here yep you know like oh hey i've heard this is a trout and if you haven't thought about it like yep. you better look at that mouth because yep. those little vampire fangs they go deep the rule the rule of thumb is if it's a saltwater fish it has teeth yeah don't lip it don't lip it like there's every now and then like if i catch a uh, like a small rat red, I'll lip it just for a picture of the video because they they don't have teeth. They've got very similar to what a bass has. I don't even know what it's called, but it's just like a, a rough patch on the inside of their lips. So even the bigger redfish don't really have teeth, but they've got that patch and it'll hurt you because mm-hmm. they have so much pressure in their jaws. But every now and then if it's small redfish, I'll lip it. But that's about the only thing. Now, I did lip one like 45-pound black drum one day. But it was completely out of necessity. I was fishing with Kyle Kovartek. <laughs> um, we were fishing over at uh, Waypoint Park. Okay. And he hooked it, and he we, this fish ran him all over the place. And it got in, and it was in rebarb and concrete, and lines were tangled, yeah. and I didn't have anything with me. So literally, I just reached down there and just stuck my four fingers in his mouth and just grabbed it and picked it up. And he clamped down on me. Luckily, he didn't hurt me too bad. Um, but I did do that. And, I mean, I knew what I was doing, but it, we were shooting a video, and I really wanted to help him land this fish. And it was like, well... I don't think it's going to take my fingers off. It's probably just going to hurt. He definitely roughed me up a little bit, but uh, yeah. it, it didn't, you know, it didn't like take my fingers off or anything. So this is why I always have the Batman belt with my fish grips in it. Yes. Because I'm like, Mm-mm, nope. Come here. You know, that's in my mind, that is one of the greatest inventions ever in the fishing industry. I don't know how long that's been around, but um, it's there's more people saved by fish grips because you, one, it makes it much safer to handle your fish. No matter what fish you're handling, whether it's a pompano on the beach or a redfish. You get those fish grips on it, you can control that fish. It takes away the sliminess of it and all that. So you're able to control that fish while you're getting lines up. Because I would venture to guess if you ran a poll on when people get hooked the most, it's when they're trying to remove hooks from fish because they can't, they're not controlling their fish when they're trying to get the hook out. And it becomes, people don't understand the danger of it at that point. It's not necessarily the fish that you're worried about. You're still dealing with an extremely sharp object. Sometimes three of them, if you're if you're fishing with a treble hook, <laughs> oh, the treble. Um, and they can they can get you really quick if you're not careful. So, trebles are just e- like, like they're equal opportunity stabbers. Yes, <laughs> they like they'll get care. you in any way possible, one hundred percent. There's no judgment on a treble hook's part. So with you doing all this traveling, because you like you said you've done a lot, and I've seen some of your videos where you've been moving around different places, and you've got a, like a, a list this year and a goal. Uh, what do you do when you pl- when you're going to go fish in a new place? Um, well, it depends on what I'm fishing. Um, if I'm fishing saltwater, I'll usually reach out to other creators and just see if I can kind of tag along with them. Um, I'm of everything I do, I'm very very bad at finding fish, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. And a lot, a lot of times, if I'm traveling to freshwater, 
I'll look for a spot and people are like, oh, you know, go fish Lake Martin. I, it, Lake Martin's not a good idea for me because if I knew how to find fish, that would be great. What I need is a little farm pond um, because I'm not able to read the water and say, okay, this is where the fish are going to be. But with a small farm pond, I can fish the whole thing. So um, in that case, if I don't, like when I go to South Florida, I love fishing the canals because you know there's fish there. It's, right. it's not, you're, you're not having to try to find fish. Um, so, you know, canal systems, obviously, wouldn't go down to Highway 41, um, it's feast or famine. I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where you can put South Florida has, it's such a unique fishery in the fact that there are very few places you can't just pull off the side of the road and, and start fishing and find really good fish. Um, so that's the beauty of being down there. And then, but if I'm traveling to somewhere like off, you know, if I'm going to Kentucky or Michigan or something like that, I usually try to link up with another creator or somebody that I know there that I can, you know, at least I don't want their, their honey hole, but just a place where I can go and like kind of figure it out. Um, and you know, we've been very, very blessed to, to network and really work with some, some big creators that's allowed me to, um, use that ability to, to really get on some fish in different places. It's been a really, really cool, cool deal. So, so what made you want to start a YouTube channel? I don't know. It was a, <laughs> I don't know. Who, well, I mean, honestly, so in all seriousness, like I, I, I guess you would say I do come from an entertainment background. I was DJ. I've been a DJ for 11, 12 years. Um, I used to run karaoke. I, I DJed weddings for, you know, over 400 people. Um, so I've always had somewhat of an entertainment background. And I, I dabbled in it a little bit in Kentucky. My son was, we, you know, sit around and make goofy little videos together. Um, and then when I got down here, it was just there was water everywhere. I'd always wanted to move to Florida. It was always a goal of mine and my wife's. We've been married for 20 years. Um, and one of our goals when we first got married was that at some point we wanted to try living in Florida. Um, and when I got down here, unfortunately, when we first came down, or fortunately, I mean, depending on how you look at it, our transition was a little different than most because in the wedding industry, which is what we, we do, we're wedding videographers and photographers and DJs and all that stuff. You, it's not a, a job that you can just walk away from. There's a, yeah, no. and it's not a, and it's not a job that you can just walk into. And what I mean by that is it's a planning process. So for the first year we were here, we still had a lot of weddings in Kentucky and we had a lot of weddings down here. So my wife was still working a public job um, for an attorney in Louisville. So she didn't have as much freedom scheduling wise as I did. So I was usually doing most of the weddings down here. Well, sometimes I would be down here for a week by myself and I'm like, you can only handle so much time by yourself. And you're right. like, what, what are we, what are we doing here? So I went out and bought a kayak about, a, I don't know, two or three months. Sorry, I've got the hiccups. Um, I went out and bought a kayak like two or three months after. And I, I had off all the camera equipment, obviously, because we were wedding videographers. Um, and it just, I was watching these YouTube videos about how to learn how to fish. And I was like, Hey, I can do this. Um, and I think I told you the story when I first started, I was like, I had my kayak, I had all this nice camera gear. I mean, we were blessed to have good gear from the start because we had it for our, our business. And I'm sitting right over on Bayou Chico under the bridge and I caught a black drum. And I think it was like March or late February, early March. And I like literally looked right at the camera and I was like, man, I was really expecting a sheep's head. I said, I, I, you know, I said the water condition should be right for sheep's head. And I'm like, I'm going on this and I just stop. And I'm like, you can literally, if you go back and watch this video, you can see a light bulb go off in my head. I'm like, what do you have no idea what you're talking about? So I literally just <laughs> said that I, I like, I stopped talking and I was like, guys, I'm lying to you. I'm like, I have no idea what the right water conditions for sheep's head are. I'm like, I don't even know what bait to use for sheep's head. I surely don't know what setup to use. And from that day on, I decided that I was not going to try to act like I knew how to fish. I was just going to bring, bring people along on a journey of me learning how to fish. And that's what our channel is always based on. The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I've posted videos before where I didn't catch a single fish all day. 
and I brought people along and I'm like, Hey, it, you know, it was a struggle today. Like I, I did everything I thought I should be doing and I just didn't catch fish. And I mean, and I always add some entertainment and all that. Of course we got the Eugene character that we add in for all the, the funny stuff and that, that side of things. So, um, you know, we, I've always just tried to be entertaining and just, you know, bring people along and just kind of document the journey of learning, you know, new water and learning this, this content creation world in itself. And, um, I've just, I've always been fascinated with video. So, I mean, I guess it was just kind of an obvious thing to do once I got down here and started fishing a little bit. And then the next thing I knew it had consumed me and it was all I could think about was making YouTube videos. And here we are today. So. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully you got a bunch of fish because like, that's the greatest thing here as we go through these. If not, all right, change it up, get it out there, bring it back in. Get going, uh, continuing with some fun fishing. This bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. I cannot say enough great things about them. You all have heard me talk about it every week on every episode. Yes, they're on the advertising, but they, again, they do so many great things for kids. They just recently finished another really good one where they got the kids out there showing them uh, different tips and techniques on how to fish. Great turnout. They are out of the St. Simon Island uh, area in Georgia. Hopefully one day it'll be national, but all the cool stuff that they're doing with these clinics and getting these kids together is 100% from your donations. There's also still the uh, SSI running of the Bulls tournament out of St. Simon's Island. There is room still to sign up, so you can get on that one. I will be there. Salty McCrory will be there. Smitty from Smitty Surf Fishing, he will be there. The list is slowly growing of people that might start showing up. So there's going to be some fun people, uh, fun stuff there. And not to mention the East Coast crew. You're going to see them. You got Chip coming. Barry, I believe, is going. Uh, we should see uh, Fishing with Cullen. We should have them. That whole team's coming up. Man, there's so many more. But anyway, lots of cool stuff going on with that tournament. Really fun thing to be a part of. Kids Can Fish takes all that money that you all help them, and they make the community better. These kids are learning. That is phenomenal. So go over to kidscanfish.net, help them out, come out and support and do one of these tournaments. You won't be sorry. It's a ton of fun. And hey, like they always say, more tackle boxes, less Xboxes. Let's get these kids out there and fish and help them out. And we were talking about this. Uh, for those of you that didn't know this, here's a little fun demo history. So my wife was also a wedding photographer in California. Yeah. She did wedding photography, videography. And the amount of gear that you all have to get mm -hmm. for weddings. And then on top of that, when after the wedding is done, like I used to make the joke, all right, four-hour wedding? All right, I've lost you for right around mm, 60 hours. Yes, 100%. It, you're just, it's gone. Yeah. And I, I, I'd wake up, my wife's in front of the computer, Calling, adjusting, making pieces cleaned up, getting it ready for the books, and then yeah. oh, hold on, I got to mash up the audio with the video. Oh, his mic was off a little bit here. Hold on, I got to retweak that. Yeah, it's a process. Y'all, y'all got some hours it's, invested yeah, in that it, world, and so many people don't realize that they think that you know they see, but it's that, I, I I say that to say that it's that way in a lot of the industries. Oh, definitely, and we'll get to that, but like. Yes, if we do a seven-hour wedding day, which is our most normal standard package, that between Sarah and I, you're looking at somewhere between 60 and 80 hours. If we if we do video and photography both, you're looking more close to 100 hours, um, and that's per wedding. And, you know, three years ago, we did 121 weddings in 2021. Um, in 2022, we did 96 weddings. So we've gradually been dialing it back. So, yeah, we're gluttons for punishment, we know. And then on top of that, we're full-time content creators. We've never wavered from that. Um, you know, we've always made the time. My wife, God love her heart, is the hardest working woman I've ever met in my life. And she's so supportive, you know, and of course she has her own content, her own channel now as well. But 
she's always been so supportive of my dreams and what I wanted to do. And it's, it's, that's vital because she does log so many hours. And then when I took on more of the role of like doing more filming for the YouTube side of things, that obviously took me away from the wedding side of things. And she was having to pick up that workload. Um, and she's been a saint through it all. I mean, and of course now we've dialed it back a little bit to where we have more freedoms to do, you know, content creation stuff. Cause I knew she really wanted to get herself a channel started, but you know, the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023, we've really kind of dialed back the weddings. We're not doing nearly as many as what we were doing. Um, and we did that specifically so we could, you know, focus more on content creation. Uh, for the next people that go to a wedding, uh, we assure you the wedding photographer's camera is better than your iPhone yes. camera. Um, just stay in your seat. Put it down, <laughs> especially if you're wearing bright clothes. Like, if you go to a wedding and you're wearing bright clothes, sit your ass down. I'm sorry, for, pardon the language, but don't... Like I've literally had women in like neon orange dresses standing up in the middle of the aisle as the bride's coming down. We see you, okay? We see you. Sit down. It's bad enough that you wore bright orange to a wedding. Sit down. Sit down. It's, it's hard to edit the bright image sometimes. Oh my God. It's like, I promise I'm going to get the great shot that you're not going to get yeah, for and it, walking. And it's it's gotten so much to the point now. You know, I've, we've been doing wedding videos for, I guess, seven or eight years. So, I mean, ever since we've been doing wedding videos, camera phones have been a thing. Right. Um, so we've always dealt with it. But it is even more so now with... Um, because you do have a lot more content creators, you know, whether it be TikTok or Facebook or whatever. So everybody thinks they're masters of camera work. And I'm not knocking your TikTok ability. Like, I'm not. Like, I'm sure you make great TikToks, but I make wedding films. You're holding a, and yeah, you paid the $1,000 for your iPhone or whatever it is. I'm holding a $6,000 camera setup. I promise you, mine will be better. Just give me the chance and sit down. <laughs> You paid a thousand dollars for maybe one piece of the lens, yes. one one glass right. piece. Yeah, <laughs> like the lens on this camera costs three times what your your iPhone costs. So sit down. That's the the common theme is sit down. If you're at a wedding, just don't get your phone out. They don't need it. They don't. They they probably don't want it. Like, what are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do with little Susie's wedding video? that you stood up in the aisle and ruined our wedding with. Like, what are your plans for that? <laughs> because that's what you're doing. You're, you're messing up their whole wedding. <laughs> Don't get me on a tear, Brian, because I will go off on, like, some like crazy wedding guest people. So the best part is, like, I just, I, like, I can now hear my wife and right oh. now in my head, like, yes, he gets it. Yeah. Because I've I always watched her in the editing. Like, I'll, I'll look over and she's like, damn it. Like what? That was such a good shot that yeah. this dumbass moved. And then in video or in picture, you can you know there's plenty of technology out there to remove people. That that's not the case in video. Um, with video, if you're there, you're there. Like if you got in the way, there's nothing I can do about that. Pick you know pictures. We can mash a couple different frames together and make it work. But with you know with a video, if if, if Aunt Susie steps out in the aisle in her bright orange dress while you're coming down the aisle, Aunt Susie's part of your wedding video now. <laughs> so whether you meant for her to be or not. She is there. If you have an Aunt Susie, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. That's just the name that comes to mind. So, Or it's somebody that did have the Aunt Susie that did it, and they're like, damn, Aunt Susie. Yeah. Damn you. The funniest, I don't want to get in on a wedding tear, but the, the worst thing I've ever had was DJing a wedding one night. And just to make the story short, this lady got completely crazy, fell, and had compound fractures in both of her wrists. We were on a concrete floor. There was blood everywhere. They had to come get her in an ambulance, take her out. This was like 45 minutes into the wedding reception, and... Well, of course, wedding reception is over oh, yeah, at this done. point. So I found out later that this woman was just like the girlfriend of like a distant uncle, like just some, basically some rando at the wedding, like caused all this havoc. And that's where, and she was like, not even, not that it would have been any better if she'd have been a close family member, but 
she wasn't even like close to the family. She was just some rando person that like completely ruined her wedding. <laughs> I mean, wow. completely ruined it. So, oh, rage. Sorry, yeah, for Pure sure. Yeah. Rage. Sorry, I got off on a wedding tear there. No, are you kidding? I absolutely love this because in reality, I mean, you know how it is. You do the podcast thing. Yeah. Half, three quarters of it's conversation. Yes, and I mean, yeah, it's it's just enjoying it. it. Yeah, yeah. I have a list of questions, but on the same one, it's like yeah, I, I'd rather talk and just enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> well, fire away. What else you got for me? I'll try to I'll try to stay on topic. I'm the worst at like wandering off topic. Girl, same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hence why I have in like ninety five percent things exactly. written down. I'm like, hold on, I got to get back to that one. Yeah, because I'll do it. I will. I will squirrel like oh, it's bad. It's easy to do when you start talking about a common, you know, like. Uh-huh interest with other people it's very very easy to do yeah i laughed when i found out you were from kentucky because uh, i told my wife and i'm like she's like really what part because she went to wku oh okay and i was like yeah right right around your backyard yeah there, i'm actually from louisville yeah right outside of louisville in shelbyville kentucky i always say louisville because it's it's that way with every state yeah um you know if you're if you're from 150 miles within dallas texas you just tell people dallas texas you right. don't say i'm from you know beaumont or whatever wherever you're from um, and it's the same thing with Kentucky. You're either from Louisville, Lexington, or Northern Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and then there there are definitely people that will say Paducah, but those people usually don't tell people that <laughs> if they're from Paducah. I'm just joking. All my all my Western Kentuckyites, I'm just joking with you guys. But no, we're right outside of Louisville there in Shelbyville. So only about two hours and 15 minutes from Bowling Green. Oh, that's not bad. No, no, not at all. Um, actually, you go right through Bowling Green. That's, that's on 65 right there, yeah. you know, obviously coming back and forth. Um, we do a lot of traveling between Kentucky and, and Florida because we do still have a wedding presence in Kentucky. I mean, it's um, we built a very, very strong business up there. Um, so we do a lot of traveling, which is cool because my real job, so to speak, the wedding industry allows me to travel a lot for the fishing side of things. That's what gives us the freedom to you know, do the fishing trips. Most of the time, if I do a fishing trip, I'm on my way to a wedding and I'll just veer off and go somewhere else and do something else. So, Well, on the fishing one then, how do you adjust your tactics when the bite's not on fire? I leave. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's honest. Yeah, that, that's just an honest answer. I leave. No, um, you know, obviously, if I'm in the boat, it, it's much much easier if you're fishing from a boat because if you get to a spot that you normally catch fish or that you've had success at in the past, and if you're fishing with live shrimp, I mean, I think it's a pretty good rule of thumb. If you're not getting bit in five or ten minutes, you need to find another spot. I mean, just being real, hundred percent real honest with you here, it's. You know, if you if you've got a live shrimp on the end of your line and you're fishing a dock and you're not getting bit, those fish are either not going to bite or they're not there. You need to move on. Don't continue. And I I was very very guilty of this at first. If it was a spate a spot where I would had caught a fish before, I would sit there for an hour trying to catch fish. Obviously, if you're not catching fish on live shrimp, you need to go somewhere else because they're just not there. They're going to at least bite live shrimp. Um, so with the boat, it's very, very easy. And on the beach, if I'm being honest with you, that is the truth. I may, you know, I may, you know, jump and jack one time and, and move over to a little bit different spot. But my thing is, if you're if you're set up on the beach for two hours and you never even get a hit, the bite might just not be there that day. I mean, you you might not be tearing up the world. I'm not saying that, but um, I'll usually give beach fishing two, three hours at the most. And then if it, if I'm not getting a bite or, or it seems like it's doing something, then I usually bounce and just and kind of roll out. So, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's the best thing to do, but it is definitely what I do. So, yeah, but what, what's best for one is not good for the other. Sure. And you know, it's a big difference and people can say or not say all they want to, that it's the same thing. If you're a content creator, there are certain content creators out there who are all about the fishing. Joey Antonelli's one, an amazing fisherman. Um, 
and, and he can go out and catch just about anything he wants to catch anytime. That's not me. I have to add an entertainment factor to it because I'm not the best fisherman out there. Now, I've gotten a lot better at it, but I'm not the best fisherman, you know, out there on the beach or on a boat or whatever. So I have to account. And I have to add some entertainment factor in there. And I consider my channel an entertainment channel. So with that being said, my it, right now is a prime example. I was talking about the guys being out on a guy trip. We go out. They want to fish all day. When I go out, if I catch four or five good fish, it's time to go to the house. Like, my video's done. We're, we'll come back and try again tomorrow. Um, and I, that's just a difference from a – and that's probably why I'm not very good at fishing is <laughs> because of that. But that's the difference for, like, an entertainment mentality and a fishing – I still love fishing. I don't want to make it sound like that. But obviously, you know, from a content creation standpoint, if I can go out and make a video in an hour – um, that video, and I know that video is going to do well from a financial standpoint, because let's be honest, it's all, it's all a business. I mean, one hundred everything we do is a business. Um, you know, if you can go out and make a video in an hour and you don't have to burn extra boat fuel and extra bait and all this stuff, you're killing it that day because there tomorrow I might go out and it might take me eight hours to make a 20 minute video. Um, so, you, you know, I kind of account for that from a standpoint of bouncing around I, I will do anything i can to catch the most fishes or the best fish most fish whatever it is is possible in the shortest amount of time just from a content and sometimes i just don't have that much time you know sometimes it's a two-hour afternoon and that's all the time i have so i don't give spots very much time when i'm out fishing because maybe now that's not the case when i was first starting but now you know i just don't give it very much time because it's time to roll on if i'm not catching something there pretty quick well time is money i mean yes if you can nail it in an hour, why why not? Right. You know? Oh yeah. It would. I will tell you this: from people have people struggle with timelines of videos, though, which I totally get. I mean, I understand, but like, you'll have people that'll come down and it'll be a slow day. Like, I don't understand. Like, every time I see you fishing, you're crushing it. Like, you'll catch like 15 fish in 20 minutes, and I'm like, no. No, you saw me catch 15 minute, 15 fish in a 20 minute video. That's not what happened. Like, you know, you have to roll it back a little bit and understand there was a lot of editing involved. Now, sometimes it happens like that. Like I went out one day um, to the canal over off the sound and literally caught 35 redfish in less than an hour. And I'm just like, heck yeah. Like if I'd have took a different shirt that day, I'd have made two videos, but I just didn't that day. So um, sometimes it's like that, but it's not, it's very rare that that happens. There you go, content creators. Now you remember, put in your dry bag, extra shirt. Yes. I, well, and I know what's crazy is I normally do. And I do that just from an efficiency standpoint, um, because there's sometimes videos are just made. If I go out to Three Mile Bridge and I catch, you know, two bull reds that's kind of a video like i can i can make enough filler content to you know make that a video so if i've still got if i planned on fishing all day i usually do have an extra shirt in the camera bag and i'll change shirts and i'll just go start another video and there's nothing wrong with that no. um this that's not me like giving away secrets or anything like that it's just if i'm on the water and i get enough footage for a, one full video and i feel like it's a good solid video that i can pre present to my audience why not throw on a different shirt and go out and make another video that same day um, there's, you know, you're just, that's good time management on your part. If you can make that work. Yeah. One of the pieces, and this is why I love podcasting over you guys on the YouTube one, because yeah. for me, I have an attention span problem. So if I come, I'm watching something, yeah. you get, you got me for a minute. I, I yeah. got to get the hook. But one thing I noticed with podcasts was you started, it's like an audio book. Yep. You can go as long as the car's running, as long as you're on the treadmill, yep. whatever you want. And I, and I do that. Like when I try as much as I travel, that's what I do. I just turn on podcasts yeah. um, and I enjoy listening to them. I mean, I'll, I'll listen back to some of the ones I've done with some of the bigger creators because even when you're sitting there with them, a lot of the time, 
you know, you miss stuff. Even when they're saying, because like if, if you, I ask somebody a question while they're answering, I'm a lot of times I'm thinking about my next question. And I'm just being honest about that from a standpoint I'm of not doing that right now. Yeah, no, uh, right. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's so you do miss a lot. So it's always a good idea. I mean, I do it to make, to make myself better on the podcast front. Um, just to go back and listen to them and, and be like, yeah, I would have done this different or I would have asked this question different. Um, I've been so fortunate at this point that, that a lot of the creators I've worked with are so good on camera that it's just like it's effortless for them. Like Daniel Arms, Darcizzle, those guys, like it's a, they're, they're so easy to work with. You ask a question and they're content creators. They're, they're entertainers through and through and they just they fire off with it. And it's so much easier than if you're sitting right down time to talk to somebody that's not comfortable on camera or not comfortable having those conversations it definitely makes a huge difference to have that for sure yeah and that's the bad thing like long form content is awesome because long form you really get you can take that time and you can dig into small pieces and just have at it and in the youtube world long form content is just a tough one to ask somebody hey i need you to give me an hour of your time with your eyeballs yeah and your brain yeah and they typically they won't um and you know it's just they they catch bits and pieces of it all you can hope is that they they come back and watch later. I will tell you that two of the, you know, five biggest videos on my channel are podcasts. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the creators I was sitting down with, but you know, people came back and watched them and it's because those retention rates are so high. But, um, you know, one of them was Daniel arms. I know you've heard me mention him a couple of times. Daniel and I've become very good friends and he has got, I would venture to guess one of the most loyal audiences on the platform bar none. He, his, his demographics, demographics is 65 year old plus ladies, um, they love him. They love his farm. They love his animals and they hang on to his every single word. So when you can put somebody like that, you know, on a channel with you that has such a loyal following, inevitably that video is going to do well. It's going to hit the algorithm because as soon as they find it, they're going to watch it from start to finish. Um, and it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Daniel Arms is sitting there and they, they want more than he could ever give them in that hour. So he normally posts a 20 minute video. So when they log on and they see an hour long video of nothing but him sitting there talking, they eat it up. They love it. And he's got such a loyal audience like that. It's amazing. It is your third and final bait check of the episode. Hopefully you're listening to this on the car ride home. You caught a bunch of fish and all is well in the world. But if not, hey, that's okay. You're still out there fishing. You've only been out there an hour. Life's good. You get out the whole day. Enjoy yourself. This paycheck is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Go on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy Garage. Mmm, the Bruno rig. Oh, man. You hear me talk about it all the time. Why? Because it works, man. It works. It does. The mortician rig, lots of good stuff with that. You can get snoods. Or if you need beads, floats, gear, terminal tackle, equipment, like scissors or the awesome threading tool that helps you put your rigs together. And if you haven't seen that, you need to go over to Chip's web, um, YouTube page or his Facebook page, The Sinker Guy, and take a look at the stuff there. He's trying to help you catch more fish. That's always great stuff right there. So again, go on over to thesinkerguy.com, get your order in today. So after doing all the social media pieces and running a t- channel and these ones there, what has been some of the greatest lessons learned for you? Oh, man. Um... From a fishing standpoint or from a content standpoint? Uh, let's well, let's do fishing first and then we'll do content. Okay. From a fishing standpoint, it is don't overthink and don't overtackle. Um, I think you, as a content creator and as a content creator fisherman, it's the hardest genre to be in um, from a content creation standpoint. And I mean that is because you, the actors in your video, 
don't know they're acting in your video. <laughs> they, they don't always get the memo that they, they have to show up that day to make a video. And what I mean by that is um, some days you just don't catch fish. You do every, and everybody has that. It's not just content creators. Um, but for us, it's like you go out with a plan. And I think the biggest thing I learned early on is no matter what my plan is, I'm prepared to swerve from a fishing standpoint at any given time. If I go out and I was like headset on making a redfish video that day, but then I go out in the bay and Benita are blowing up everywhere. We just decided to make a Benita video, but I've seen people who refuse to do that. Um, from a fishing standpoint, they want to go out and they want to catch redfish. They want to catch something they can take home and do a catch and cook, which I totally get. I understand a hundred percent where they're coming from, but for me being more of an entertainment channel, it doesn't really matter to me. As long as I'm catching fish, my audience is usually happy with that. So uh, that's the biggest lesson I've learned in fishing is have a plan. You know, know what you're going out there to do, but don't be scared to veer off of that plan and go in a different direction if you see something that is more enticing or maybe is a, a higher chance of being successful at it because that that it will present itself if you allow it to. Um, a prime example, I had a comment the other day. There's a spot right down here in Bayou Chico that literally, no matter where I go, if I'm on my boat, I have to spot there. I have to pass this spot. I've been very, very successful at this spot. I will always throw a line in there. I, why would I not? Because right. it, it's, but I had somebody comment like, man, you wear that out. You're killing those same 50 fish in there and da, da, da. And I'm like, what does it matter? Like if I went out to catch fish today, and I was able to catch 20 fish and only get 100 yards from the boat dock, why would I not do that? Exactly. Tell me one person that goes out fishing today and they walk out on the beach with their surf cart and all their stuff and their Spanish mackerel and bluefish and whatever blowing up right in front of them and they set up right where they walked out on the beach. And they, Why would they go anywhere else? Why would they pass that up and be like, I know that I see fish there and I, that looks like a successful spot, but I'm going to go try to find something else. <laughs> make it harder yeah i mean like it's hard enough for me as it is like i don't need to make it any hard i told my wife and i told the story on the morning vibe on my podcast and i was like you know it's the equivalent of what he said is basically this imagine you're a single dude we don't want to get any married guys in trouble and every day you walk past your mailbox and there is a beautiful girl waiting there she grabs you she gives you a kiss smacks you on the butt and says i hope you have a great day today would you ever not walk by your mailbox? No. No. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that's what that spot is for me. I go out there. I put a line in the water. I usually catch a trout. It comes up, smacks me on the cheek and says, hey, have a great day out there, buddy. And that's what we do. I mean, why would I pass that up ever? Nope. Nobody's going to pass that up. So you just you have to be willing to swerve from your fishing plan a little bit. Um, you know, that, that's going to be key, especially saltwater. Like, golly, especially saltwater, because there's so many different options out there that you may not even realize you have on that day. Well, like you said, we had the weird, weird catches all of a sudden. Like, yeah, weird ones. I don't know. Had you not had a line in the water, you never would have. Never would have known. So never would have known. Yeah. Totally worth it. All right. So from that, so that's the fishing standpoint. Mm -hmm. What about on the content? On the content creation, I think don't overthink yourself. Um, I think for at the very beginning, I think I was trying to pretend like I was something I wasn't. You can see it in my old videos. Like if you go watch, I've taken some of them down just because um, they really weren't me at all. And I think at, in the beginning, I didn't think that the audience would enjoy me and i think at the end of the day that's what they enjoy the most um i've never been one on my channel that's i don't have to go out and catch hero fish um my audience they enjoy the content from a standpoint of 
whatever I'm catching, but I've never sold my channel as I'm going to go out here and be the best fisherman you've ever seen. You know, I get excited over the small fish, like the soap fish. It was partially a joke, but it partially wasn't. I mean, it, it had been kind of aggravating that I'm fishing right beside people that are pulling these things up left and right. It had been going on for two weeks. And I mean, and, and keep this in mind, like this is, this is how my mind thinks from a content creation standpoint. I literally, in this time frame, this is no exaggeration. You can go back and watch the videos. I caught trigger fish. I caught keeper red snapper. I was catching sharks. I was catching keeper sheep's head. And all I wanted was a damn soap fish. She was one of the boogers. <laughs> That's all I wanted was a soap fish. I'm catching these like, and then like, if you don't understand, I'm in the bay, right? So trigger fish in the bay is awesome. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of the coolest catches we have. They're definitely there. But, I mean, I'm catching good fish. It's not like I'm not catching fish. I don't want to sell it like that. If you've seen the videos, you know. I'm catching good fish, but I wanted a soap fish. And I wanted a soap fish because I needed it for the species. But it's all part of that entertainment side of things, too. Where And that, you know, I'm fully aware that on my channel, I could go out tomorrow and I could catch a 40-inch snook. My audience would respond no different to that than me catching that soap fish. And it has nothing to do with the fish, but it has everything to do with my level of excitement for what I'm catching. Um, your audience is only going to get as excited as you do. So if you make it, that's why I try to avoid using the term trash fish. Because is it a trash fish? Yeah, I mean, I, technically in the standards, that's what it's considered. But I say on my channel all the time, I'm going out here to bend a rod. And whatever that does is, I don't care. One of the greatest things I've ever gotten in, like... I get stuff all the time. I'm sure you do too. Everybody, well, yeah, you, well, you're not on YouTube though. So every con, I'm I sorry. have a win there where I don't yeah. have that problem. So every content creator, once you hit a certain level of content creation, we're very, very blessed because of the people that we've had the opportunity to work with that our popular our popularity supersedes our size. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It just does. Um, and that's a, a sheer factor of the people that we've had the ability and been right. blessed to work with. So with that, you get a lot of stuff, rods, reels, tackle. Like my wife, if you show up at my doorstep, just like Jehovah's Witness showed up the other day, she gave him a bag of tackle. Um, that's just that's what she does. It's like she's just trying to get rid of it at any given time. But um, you know, it, with that, the greatest thing I've ever gotten was from Tony, and it was that daggone runt rod. You love Dude, that runt rod. I, I have more fun with that because like, I'm, I feel like at this point – like I know Tony will give me another. I feel like at this point I'm trying to break it, and yeah. it's it's the, like it's the greatest like little micro fishing rod I've ever had in my hands. I take this thing out to the wrecks, and I'm dropping down. Like I pulled up like a a 21 inch sheep's head with the runt rod the other day out of structure, and it's like I love that thing. Like it's just that it it does it gets me excited. I don't need to catch a big fish if I catch a a 12 inch mango or 12 inch red snapper that puts up this insane fight on that runt rod. I'm having just as much fun if I'm catching a third. And I mean that like, that's not because I'm not catching that. It, I mean that like I love catching stuff. It's the greatest gift I've ever gotten on my YouTube channel is that runt rod. Like I absolutely love fishing with that thing. You've definitely been wearing it out. Oh dude. But I mean, I've caught some killer fish with you it. Have. I've caught grouper. I've caught sheep's head, red snapper. Everybody else is using them for pompano, which is what Tony wanted. Right. Tom, I mean, I'm a firm believer. Tony and I have a great relationship. I'm, I'm sure Tony would rather see. I don't know. I don't want to say he would rather see me. He made that rod for people to try to catch Pompano with it. Right. For the so close I shot. decided to take it to the to the Rex because why wouldn't I? And I'm just like dead dropping this thing. And like I've crushed some major fish with that. I mean, I caught my first, like I said, a 21 inch sheep's head the other day with it. Um, that's the biggest fish I've caught. And I, I have a video 
Tony and I are both convinced because I was looking at my graph that I hooked a Goliath grouper with it. I heard about that. Um, and it, the only reason I think that is just because of the way the fish act. I've actually hooked one Goliath grouper with Joey Antonelli um, on normal tackle. Um, and it, it, of course, it ultimately broke me off because we were on a boat and we were using barely light tackle. But it was the same characteristics. And I saw it on the graph. Um, I saw this blob. And like, if you're familiar with a fish, I don't have a live scope, but if you're familiar with a fishing graph, you know, if a fish swims away really fast, it'll kind of make an arc and a line. This didn't. It just kept showing up on my graph a little bit farther away each time. And I, it was like the weirdest fight ever. It like obviously didn't even know that it was hooked with the runt rod. It was just like, <laughs> whatever, I don't care. And it's just like swimming away slowly. And then when it finally did decide it didn't want to play anymore, it was gone. Um, but that was that was my my cool run run. There was no way I was getting that fish up, but it was just like you did it, I like I felt like the two tips were touching each other. Like the <laughs> handle and the tip was like bouncing off each other on the bottom. You know, you, you bring up Joey Antonelli from before. I remember when he went out, uh he had his drop yeah, I think he had his go fish cam. I think that's what it was or something, maybe a GoPro. But he dropped it down and they were they were sheep's head fishing and that sheep that Goliath came and ate that sheep's head in one bite. Yep. And Joey got everything back, yep. thankfully. But after I saw that, I realized um, Goliaths are not to be trifled with. They, no. they are powerful. I mean, have you seen, I've never, I don't know the person that did it, but have you seen the one where it ate the spinner shark? No. Literally, they're they're like swimming it around. And you can't really get a good read because it is all like way down in the depths underwater. So you can't really get a good read on how big the shark was. So I don't want to say it was giant. I mean, it looked to be like a four or five foot shark. Um and literally, like, it's just, like, cruising along, and this Goliath grouper just, and all you see is its tail flopping in the Goliath grouper. That's it. Like, it literally, like, swallowed this. And like I said, it looked like it was a four- or five-foot, you know, spinner shark. Could have been, like, perception may have been off. It may have been a little shorter. But either way, it ate a, it ate a whole shark. Like, it just, like, gulped it down. So they're not, like, you do not want to mess with a Goliath grouper under any <laughs> circumstances because those dudes are they're not. I mean, I would love to catch one. Um, but you know, it's Brant caught one with Joey, um, down on the, the pier down there in Sebastian Inlet. He was able to, they were able to get one up. And the cool thing about Joey, if you're not familiar with Joey Antonelli, um, Joey's one of the few people in the state of Florida that can actually take them out of the water, um, because he does scientific research for him. He does the fin clippings and stuff like that. You have to have a whole permit and, and that kind of stuff to do that. He's one of the few people that's allowed to do that. So if you're ever fishing with Joey and you catch one, you can legally take it out of the water, um, which is, you know, pretty cool. So. Yeah, Joey's a hell of an angler, and he's got a great channel. And Dude. Lots of fun. Honestly, I would say, in all seriousness, as far as just straight fishing skills, I would put Joey Antonelli up against anybody else in the country. He just catches so many fish. He showed me a clip when I was down there with him. I did a podcast with him, and we went fishing together. Um, he had a video where he was spear fishing. His buddy was on a boat, hook and line fishing, hooked a cobia, got it to the boat, lost it, and it went, it was get, it was diving back down. And in the time he lost the fish, it got back in the water. Joey got his spear out, drew it, and shot the fish. <laughs> I'll get it for you, buddy. He got, he, it was his fish at that point. It's like he told his buddy when he got out of the water, he's like, hey, he's like, you would not have gotten that fish back if it hadn't been for me. That's my fish now. So <laughs> it got about 15 foot below the boat, and Joey drew his spear and like nailed this Kobe. It was amazing. It was, Ooh. it was a really, really cool, cool video that he had. So. Oh, man, he's he, he's had a lot of fun stuff. Oh, dude, he's such a great fisherman. Like he's just he, when you talk about reading water and knowing mm -hmm. a fishery, he's he's just he's top notch. He really is. So while you're doing this fifty fish line that you're gotten with all the travel, is there a bucket list fish? Yes. Uh, that you, oh, yes. oh, I saw your face light up. Yeah, there is. I, I've got to catch tarpon this year. 
Um, I've never caught a tarpon, small or big. I've never, never hooked one, never landed one. Um, but I have a plan in place um, okay. that. Uh, so my goal is right now. Of course, I want to get fifty species on the year, but I really want the tarpon to be the fiftieth species. Oh, I you mean, want that I, the closer. Or the I really? do. I really do. Um, I just I kind of have a plan in place. I have a vision in mind for what I want that to be, um, and I think I can make it happen because we've been fortunate so far. We're at 32, 32 species um, on the year. I've not caught really anything freshwater yet. Um, that that's not just saltwater fish. That's total. Um, I'm already at 32 and I've got a pretty good plan in place to get to 49 fairly quickly. Um, so, you know, it's, um, I definitely want to catch tarpon, man. It's, and I've got, I've got a buddy who can definitely make that happen. So I, I have a good feeling. I've never really targeted him that much to, except for down on OIP, Oklahoma Island Pier. Um, and that's just a whole different, like, yeah, that's a different level of fisherman. It really is. And I mean that wholeheartedly. They, those guys are that's something to see. If you've never been down there, like if you're if you're not really like a, a great angler, but you want to see great anglers catch fish, and it's not everybody down there fishing, you'll know pretty quick. Um, there's a certain level of fishermen down there on that pier that starts landing tarpon. Um, it, they're they're great. They're 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 just great anglers. So I don't know that I would ever be able to actually land one if I. Got, I mean, just being honest, um, with my maybe someday with my fishing level, I might be able to get to that point. But I just don't. I'm not, I wouldn't be comfortable that I would be able to land it on the pier at that point, um, but I do have a plan in place to catch a, a big tarpon this year. So I mean, they're silver missiles. I mean, yeah, they're they're just powerful fish. They are. They are. And I've I've watched so many videos on what to do. I've talked to uh, my buddy that I'm going out with. I don't want to give anything away because I mean, I, I just, absolutely. I will tell you guys this: if we make this happen this year, if you're not tuned into the Cameraman Ron channel, not to give myself a shameless plug, but uh, please um, plug it. Um, yeah. So if you're not tuned into the Cameraman Ron channel, this will be the most cinematic youtube video we've ever made um we have got like major things in place to make this happen so um it, that's definitely the bucket list fish there's a few others out there i mean I, honestly i can i can honestly say most of the fish that when i started fishing that i wanted to catch i've caught i, I mean I've, I've been very blessed in that regards caught mahi was one of my, my bucket list fish when i first got started i've caught those i've caught kingfish you know there's obviously a lot of the big like pelagics i've never caught a sailfish but i've never really targeted them either um for the most part there's not a lot of fish that i've got on a list that i wanted to catch that i haven't caught but the tarpon is the one that, that has eluded me up to this point so we're uh, we got a plan in place though well i look forward to when you get it yeah it's Ho gonna it's gonna be it's pretty 50. cool yeah pretty cool Oh, it's it's gonna be fifty. It's gonna be because <laughs> <laughs> here's what's gonna happen. Once I hit forty nine, I'm not doing anything else until I catch the tarpon. I like I know how to make that tarpon be number fifty. <laughs> like I've got that part figured out. So okay. Well, or if or if I do, I won't show you guys. Yeah. How about that? I won't I won't show you all till after the tarpon. That's fair. So, yeah, that's fair. So, Either way, it's gonna be number fifty. Yeah, it's gonna be number fifty no matter what. <laughs> so just a little giveaway there. So people coming down here to ever go fishing, what is adv some advice you'd give to a brand new angler? Um, don't over tackle. I think that's the most important thing. You, the, when you get here, and this is, I, I don't take this as a knock on the tackle stores because it's not. They're just putting out what people make. They're, you're going to see the biggest, shiniest, like, this looks like what I need to, to fish, whether you're doing it in the surf or however you're doing it. Um, don't over tackle. You know, tackle for the fish that you're targeting. I said this in a video a couple of weeks ago. If you're on the pier and you're targeting mangrove snapper, you don't need 80 pound leader with an 80 circle hook. That's not, you're not going to catch mangrove snapper with that. Um, it's just not realistic. So you need to use the tar the tackle that you're targeting, unless you are down there like searching for 
um, you know, tarpon, you're probably going to be fine with 20, 25, 30 pound leader on the pier. Um, if you're targeting Spanish, you probably need a little bit heavier leader than 20 pound, I would say 30 or 40, but like these big wire leaders with the orange beads and the 14 ounce weight and all this, those are, I call them tourist traps. Um, you know, don't over tackle. You don't have to come down here with a 8,500 series reel to beach fish. You can go out there with a 3,000, 3,500 series reel, with a pompano rig and you know the one thing you're gonna you're gonna be like defeated on a little bit is the length of your rod that's going to be the most important thing for surf fishing and i mean you want a good rod but i think at the end of the day i've seen people out there with the 30 dollars surf fishing setup from walmart catch pompano right along you know us guys that are out there using 400 setups with ninja tackles and pen slammers um it just it just i think i think tackle for me is more of a longevity thing than it is like a necessity thing like i use good gear because i want it to last because i'm on salt water every day i think that's where it gets but if you're just coming down here for a week and you're going to buy a surf fishing setup go buy you a pin or go buy you a, you know a tsunami at walmart with an 11 foot surf rod as long as you can get that bait out there you're going to be fine but just you do not need i mean i did it i was guilty of it i'm like fishing from my kayak and i'm using like 80 pound braid connected to a hundred pound leader <laughs> with a hook like this. And I'm fishing the Barrancas bridge. I'm, there's nothing there that's going to eat that. Like, no. um, that's the biggest thing. Like if you're coming to the area, just don't over tackle yourself. You're going to have a much higher success rate, um, using, you know, we've got a ton of quality Pompano rig makers right here in our area. Um, James Pemberton from Frisky Fins. You got Salty from Salty's Pompano rigs. You can go to any tackle store and buy those. Um, that's, and, and it's like you said earlier, that's good. You can catch anything on that. And you put a set rig out in the surf, you have potential to catch anything out there from a pompano all the way up to a red drum, a shark. I mean, you can catch a shark on a pompano. It's not as likely cause they're probably going to cut it. Um, but you can definitely catch them on that as well. So, you know, just don't over tackle yourself. I think it's the biggest advice I can give to people that, that comes down. So you start talking about weird species one night uh, on an old ship because every video I do is on Justin Reed fishing since it's you know Justin yeah. does his channel and Justin's just, such a cool dude he lets man me hang out with yeah him. I like that Justin like, Justin's a cool dude you can come hang out with us anytime man right. come out on the makeup so, with us sometime we'll take you out I'd be happy to I yeah. love I just love fishing yeah but we were out one night we were catching mangrove snapper yeah from the beach it's like what the yeah. hell are these doing I mean we had just finished being at Blue Wahoo you know over at Wahoo yeah playing those zones going after them and it's like. I can't hook it to save my ass. I'm getting pinned yep. left and right. And we go out to the surf and we're, we're catching 12 inches. It's like, yeah. come on, yeah. man. And it's, you know, it's, it's always fun when you get an unexpected catch like that. Oh, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Dylan and them. They caught a sheep's head from the beach on a set rig here not too long ago. And that was a really, it, 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 somebody said the other day, and this is one of the coolest things about being a content creator. Every fish I catch is documented. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, but I never have to tell a fish story. Um, most of the time, if, if something happens, I have video proof to back it up. Um, right. it, like I can say this now cause I know this won't come out till after, um, I caught, so it, it was probably last week's video. I caught a mangrove snapper earlier in the day. We had caught the shark, um, and the mangrove, we had had to cut line because the shark went crazy and we were on the boat and got a bunch of lines tangled up. Well, I thought all the lines was in the boat. I snipped it off and it wasn't. I, I let line go in the water, which I, if you guys know me, I hate putting line in the water. Yeah. It's one of my bit, like I, it literally drives me nuts. Um, so I was already kind of halfway upset that we had let line go in the water because I thought it was in the boat. I kid you not. I caught a mangrove snapper and it had line wrapped in its teeth. And I thought it was my buddy's line. I was like, Jerry, he's tangled up in your, your pole. 
And he's like, no, he's like, mine's in. It was the line I'd lost. So I'm like, this, I'm like telling the camera, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, I'm getting this line and hook back out of the water. I'm like, you know, cause I'd already made a big deal earlier. Cause I was upset because we'd lost the line in the water. I get it halfway up and I'm like, wouldn't it be crazy if there was a fish on here? <laughs> I pull it up. Another soap fish. 100% had another soap fish on the, on the thing. So that was, a, and that was, that's just the kind of stuff that like people wouldn't believe it if they, and I, right. I made sure that in the video, I put it all on there. It's one clip. Because, you know, obviously you can do some things in the power of editing. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, again, how you make it entertaining. Um, but I put all that in there in one solid clip. My buddy's over here, like, talking about buying a house or something crazy in the video. And I'm sure people are like, why in the world did you not just cut all that out? And I'm like, I didn't cut it because I wanted people to see from start to finish, from the time I caught the mangrove until the time we pulled the line up, there's no cuts in there. And it's sometimes stuff like that happens. And that's one of those stories, like, if you come back and you tell somebody, that's very hard to believe. Um, it's like, yeah, I bet that really happened. But for us, it's cool because we've all always got cameras rolling and it's like, you can see it when something like that happens. You don't have to just go back and tell the story. You've got visual confirmation that that happened. That's always a really, really cool place. So definitely that was a smart move to let it run. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and it was, um, you know, I always have the camera on. So yeah. my third person, I keep rolling all the time. I keep it hooked up to constant power. So it is always on. Um, and you know, just a little editing trick in case you guys are getting started. I, I get questions all the time for editing and like all these little different things about content creation. Keep your, keep your camera rolling all the time. If you're, you know, if you're able to, and then the second you catch a fish and you get done with it, turn it off. And then that way, you know, your fish is always at the end of the clip. Um, it's much easier to find your footage at that point. Or if anything happens, if you do a talking piece or something like that, restart your camera every single time. And then no matter what you you're doing, when you're going through the editing process, your important stuff is at the end of that video. Um, so it's much easier to find at that point. That's smart. Yeah. Real smart. I try. Well, I'll give you the last question so you can get back to the normal day. All right. Here, All right. We're going right on a good timeline. What's next for you? Man, what's next for me? Well, I would say this, um, you know, there's there's a lot of like craziness stirring around the, the cameraman Ron front right now. I think everybody knows that. Um, I think right now the, the biggest thing for us is just to keep grinding away and keep growing. We, we've been so blessed to have a very loyal audience that's followed us. I mean, just continue to get better on the fishing side. Content creation in the outdoor industry is, is crazy difficult. Um, it's, it's probably one of the most difficult genres that we do. And I think for me that the next steps is to just keep getting better, keep posting. You know, we we've we're very, very consistent. We we post at least twice a week. Every now and then I'll drop a third bonus video on the weekend if something's, you know, doing that. Um, I try to listen to the audience and I try to give them exactly what they're asking for and what they're wanting. Um, and I think that's I think that's it. I think we'll continue to collaborate with other creators. I, one of my favorite things to do is collaborate. And then a lot of people get this idea that you know, I only work with big creators because I have worked with some big creators. I mean, when you start working with, you know, the, the people we've worked with here and then the the Darcy's and the Bronze and, you know, you got Brant and then you got Daniel and all these guys, like we've been so blessed. So I, a lot of times I'll, I'll get a message from a smaller creator and they'll be like, I know you. I'm like, hey, like I'll fish with anybody. Like I love collaborating with other creators. So it's like it's not just you see, you see that because you know who they are. Um, but if you look back to our videos, there's been m way more times that I've worked with channels that are way smaller than us than I've worked with the bigger creators. Those just tend to stick out because you know who they are. So when you turn that video on and you see a Darcy or a Daniel, you're like, oh, I know them. So those stick out in your mind. But there's plenty of videos where I've worked with smaller channels as well. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue to do that. Obviously, we're very focused on growing Sarah's channel, the Coastal Country brand right now. 
Um, ideally, within the next two years, we'll completely dial out of the wedding industry. I think that's the goal right now. Um, but just, you know, just keep having fun. Our channel, if you're not, t- if you're not subscribed to our channel or you never, you don't know anything about us, we're all about fun. I mean, we have, I have an alter ego on that channel. I mean, it's like, we do all kinds of crazy stuff over there and we make it fun. It's not just, you know, boring you to death. I will tell you right now, and I'm, I'm open with the audience. If you're coming just to see straight fishing content, we're not the channel for you. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being hundred percent honest with you. Um, we do a lot of fishing, but we do a lot of fun stuff on there too. So um, it's a cross between the two, but we'll just continue to grow the brand and continue with the podcast and, uh, you know, just grind away, man. I mean, that's, that's really all we can do. We, we just, we're at the mercy of everybody else at this point. All we can do is just grind away. So I know it sounds horrible and I'm going to say it anyway, because you know, why not? We're already at that point when yeah. it should have been the last question, but now I want to, oh, that's fine. Working with the small channels, mm-hmm. it seems I mean, nothing against the big guys, nothing ever. Mm-hmm. But the little ones is kind of fun. Like, oh, like the hunger is is a little bit heavier, yes. and it's but it's a lot guiding lesson too. Yep. Yeah, and it's you know you brought up Justin Reed. Um, Justin's a great dude, local surf fishing for lo- local surf fisherman here in the area. Got a channel, Brent and Julie. You had them on a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's fun because they you know they're you see yourself from two years ago of where you were and they have all these questions and I'm big on, on sharing knowledge, especially from a content creation standpoint. Um, there's room for everybody in this game. It's, you know, there's nothing, there's no rule out there that's like, Oh, you know, I subscribe to cameraman Ron, so I can't subscribe to Brian Demo. You're not limited to one subscription. So it's, it's way more about cooperation than it is competition. Um, and I think that's my favorite thing about working with smaller channels because, I I can tell you 100% confidently that I have learned a ton from small channels that are way smaller than me. And they do things that, um, you know, I'll take back and integrate on the cameraman Ron channel because it's like, man, that's a great idea. You don't have to be, you know, a 25,000, hundred thousand subscriber channel to have great ideas. It's just, that's such a common misconception. Your ideas just haven't been put out there yet. And then people haven't latched onto those. So, you know, when you, collaborations are, are king in my opinion because it takes all the pressure off of you it really even like with my wife like if my wife comes out on the boat I mean, if you don't know who sarah is my wife the pyt of course you she everybody loves her she is such a lovable character on the cameraman ron channel and she takes all the pressure off me i don't have to worry about the entertainment side of things when she's out there with me because she does it she takes care of that side of it um and don't be scared to be present on other people's videos. Um, I think that's if I if if I had to. I know you didn't ask for advice, but if there was I'll one thing it. I had to give to to up and coming creators, you don't always have to get something out of it to help someone else out. So, prime example, I had a creator came into town um, two or three weeks ago, and he was like, "Man, I'm super limited on time, but I got this idea that I'd love you to help me out with. Would you be down?" And it was something super simple. He was doing like a, a cooking challenge or whatever. And I'm like, heck yeah. So I went over and I just made literally like a one minute cameo in his video and his audience loved it. They ate it up. I didn't benefit from that at all, but from a standpoint of financially, but that's not how you look at it. You have to look at it of one, if I ever need anything, he's going to be right there to help me out because I was there to help him out. That's just the way it works in the content creation world. Plus, Yes, he only has 500 or 600 subscribers or whatever it is, but that might be 500 or 600 people I've never been in front of before. You know, it doesn't matter to me whether you've got 10 or 10,000, that's an opportunity for me to be in front of new people. And so it it has nothing to do with how many you have as much as how engaged they are 
Um, I've, I've said forever, when people send me a message and they ask me to collaborate with them, I don't look at your subscriber count. I don't look at your views. I honestly could care less. The first thing I'm going to look at is when the last time you uploaded. As long as you upload regularly, I'm game. Now, if I look at your channel and you haven't uploaded in six months, eh, you probably need to collaborate with yourself before you try to collaborate with other people. You got to make some videos. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're on a normal upload schedule, I'm all about it every every single time. That's smart, especially if you're looking at trying to do that for the collaboration piece. Yes, it, it, like I said, it doesn't have you don't have to put yourself in front of you know, a million people that just makes it more right now. Does that help? Sure. Absolutely. Like when I'm on, you know, when I'm on Daniel arms, video with his three quarter of a million subs, absolutely. It helps me. I mean, I'm not trying to kid anybody here, but it's just a broader range, but you're doing the exact same thing. You're putting anytime you can put yourself in front of new people who are not used to seeing you, you're giving them the opportunity to get to know you, to get to know your personality and to get to know your content. Definitely. Dude, this has been fun. Yeah, absolutely thanks for letting me come to your office like, yeah I like anytime it. i like it anytime you need to come out and film a vodka or, or i keep saying film we're not and it, it, like if you guys could see me right now i've spent more time looking at a i wish we could take like brian should have got his camera and just filmed like a little a preview bit here like we well, should just do like a quick shot after. i know and it's like i've spent more time looking at this camera in front of because this we're on the set of work so i have two channels just so everybody knows and i will shamelessly plug myself do yeah please. we have the cameraman ron channel which is what i call my main channel um that's where we post most of our fishing content all the eugene stuffs over there and then we have a small much smaller channel on my side called the morning vibe and that's where i shoot my podcast and they're i told brian they're not even really a podcast because i don't upload them to any podcast platform um i literally just uploaded them to youtube um but we're actually at the set where i film my morning vibe. i've got my camera set up and everything and I, I keep looking at the camera like it's going to do anything for me and it literally has a link lens you cap on taken it the cap off maybe I, but i think that would have made it even worse because every now and then i look up and i'm like why in the hell am i still looking at this camera like i need to be looking at brian not the camera but it's just like it happens that way sometimes but yeah so and then of course i, I would be remiss if i didn't give my wife's channel a shout out coastal country um huge shout out to her she just had a thousand subscribers nice. um, so she is killing it over there on her i'm a little i know we got to wrap it up but i will tell you her channel pisses me off a little bit uh-oh what pisses me off is if I go back and look at my first video, yeah. garbage, garbage. <laughs> her first video, she looks like she looks like the Pensacola Tourism Board hired her to come in and do the best coffees in Pensacola, which was her first video. I'm talking like transitions, walking in and outdoors. She's got all this knowledge that we picked up over the last four <laughs> years, and she like implements it into her, and she went so hard. Like she went so hard on her first video, and I'm like. My first video, garbage. Your first video, movie quality. Like, what the hell? Like, how did that just... But she, like, she went so hard on that first one. It was ridiculous. Can't go hard on the first one. She did, though, man. Oh, she did. Like, when man. you look at her first video, like, it's like she'd been filming, which she had been filming for five years. I right. mean, we're professional videographers, and she already knew the YouTube game, right? Because we already, you know, and she's been instrumental on the Cameraman Ron channel. She's been such a huge part of that on camera and behind the scenes. I can't even stress enough. But she certainly took all of that knowledge and made that first video. And you could tell she was like trying to stab me in the back. Like you could you could just tell. Like I felt it that day. She was like, I'm gonna do this so much better than you ever have. And she did. She won under she did. Like completely she did it. So yeah, it pissed me off a little. Oh, marriage. I'm not I'm not bitter. You're no, bitter, no, Brian. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I, I didn't detect any of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know. 
believe me, I could talk to you all day now. I mean, that's the bad thing with podcasts. We start getting rolling. Yeah. So here's the thing. We are going to, we are going to do another one. I think we're going to try to do one on my, on the morning vibe in the very near future. We'll get Brian to come back out and we'll do a one where I can actually look at the camera um, and it will matter. <laughs> I'll make sure I'm all, Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just got to look at the camera, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. It's been a pleasure sitting down with you, man. And I'm trying to, hopefully I answered some of your questions appropriately and inappropriately too. So you hit everything I wanted. Hey, so that's life's all, good for me. And that's and all that matters. Lots of good knowledge, lots of good pieces. And people obviously know where they can come. You know, we'll get all the link backs back onto either it's findingdemosurfishing.com or you can find it on the Transistor homepage. All the links of everyone that was mentioned, things like that, they will all be linked back. Make sure you're following on all of those pieces. Subscribe because in reality, you're going to see more of this good stuff as we go. So you've been listening to Finding Demo Surfishing. I'm out of here.